Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Hess Corporation to shed more global assets to focus on Guyana's oil-rich stable block. U.S. delivers $255,000 in health equipment to the Bahamas. Multi-million dollar recreation center named after Caribbean-American Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm. U.S. National Park Service announced process for Keneal Bay redevelopment in the U.S. Virgin Islands and Virgin Atlantic opens Bahamas route. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, November 24th. We start a report today in Guyana. Crowder News reports that international media reports have revealed that Hess Corporation intends to shed more global assets to focus on the mega profits to be had from its 30% stake in the oil-rich Strayberg block in Guyana. Specifically, Argus Media noted that Total Energies and Conoco Phillips will purchase Hess's 8.16% stake in Libya's Waha oil concessions and the Shitri Basin and invest to improve productions. This was confirmed with Total Energy's Chief Executive Officer Patrick Puyani. The Waha acquisition by Total Energies and Conoco Phillips, which already holds stakes at 16.33% each, was approved by Libya's interim government. It was further noted that Total Energy's plans to spend $2 billion U.S. dollars and the Waha project to raise production currently at 300 barrels of oil per day by 100,000 barrels of oil per day. In March, Crider News reported that Hess had also sold key assets in Denmark to focus on its lucrative Guyana project, specifically the lies of Phase 1 and Liza Phase 2 Pariah and Yellowtail developments in the Strayberg block. The American company has told the market that it entered into an agreement with Ineos Exploration and Production Company to sell its subsidiary Hess Denmark, which held a 61.5 interest in the South Arney field. The asset was sold for a total consideration of 150 million U.S. dollars. The following month, the company sold its Little Knife and Murphy Creek acreage interest in the Bakken, North Dakota, and Enerplus Corporation, a Canadian energy giant, for $312 million U.S. million. While it may have stakes in other blocks in Guyana's Suriname Basin, Hess Corporation has categorically stated that its top priority will remain the oil-rich Strayberg block since it is the mother load of its portfolio. Specifically making this comment was Hess Chief Operating Officer Greg Hill. He was at the time participating in Bank of America's Global Energy Conference. Participating in the virtual conference as well was the Chief Executive Officer John Hess, who boasted about the revenue-making potential of the Straybrook Block projects. He said the back-end deep water of Gulf Mexico and Malaysia serve as our cash engine, while Guy Guyana serves as our growth engine. With the startup of Liza Phase 2 early next year, Guyana also becomes a cash engine, and at that time, all of our major assets will be free cash flow positive. With a lineup of up to 10 floating production storage and offloading in Guyana to develop approximately 10 billion barrels of oil equivalent resources, as well as its robust inventory 
of high return drilling locations in the Bakken, USA, the CEO said the company's ability to deliver high return resource growth is therefore unparalleled. Expounding further, he said, when Liza 2 comes on, we will steadily move down the cost curve. Our Guyana developments have a Brent bake even price between $25 and $35 per barrel. And as our back-end production in the USA goes up to 200,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day, in the next several years, we will be able to go down the cost curve. The Hess boss added, by 2026, we predict that our cash unit costs will go down by 25% versus this year to approximately $9 per barrel of oil equivalent resources. Further to this, Hess said his company is clearly positioned to deliver industry-leading cash flow growth. In this regard, he said between 2021 and 2026, the company's cash flow is forecast to increase by 25% annually. He said this is more than two times as fast as its production growth. At a price of $65 per barrel Brent, Hess said, this should result in annual free cash flow growth increasing to approximately 3 billion US dollars per year by 2026. And if you add $10 higher price, it is actually $4 billion per year, the Hess boss stated. The NASA Guardian reports that the United States Agency for International Development, USAID, Eastern and Southeastern Caribbean Regional Representative Clinton D. White, on behalf of the U.S. government, donated a total of $255,000 worth of health equipment to the Bahamas and at the Public Hospital Authority on November 22nd. The Minister of Health and Wellness, Dr. Michael Darville, received a donation on behalf of the Bahamas. The donation included 12 specialized ambulance radios and industrial-grade high-capacity laundry equipment. The radios will facilitate ambulance response to emergencies, and the laundry equipment will help increase the capacity of Prince Margaret Hospital to clean and sanitize bed linens and uniforms, an essential part of safely and effectively responding to ongoing COVID-19 cases. White emphasized that the U.S. is a resolute member to the Bahamas in the effort to defeat the pandemic and commended the Bahamas' response to the pandemic. He further remarked, I want to take this opportunity to acknowledge and salute the tremendous work that all the healthcare workers have been doing during this pandemic, including medical doctors, nurses, nurse aides, pharmacists, drivers, and clinic and healthcare assistants. Thank you. The donation is a part of an ongoing $750,000 grant from USAID through the International Federation of the Red Cross and the Bahama Red Cross Society. It is a grant that also includes $95,000 buyer fire array respiratory diagnostic machines the U.S. Embassy delivered in March. Since the start of the pandemic, the U.S. government has provided $1.5 million to support the Bahamas' response to COVID-19. This support adds nearly 400,000 in vaccine 
dose pledges by the Biden administration. On November 3rd, the U.S. government delivered 134,550 Pfizer vaccine doses, supplementing the 128,700 doses delivered to the Bahamas on August 12th. These vaccines help Bahamians protect themselves from COVID-19 and are putting the country on the path to full vaccination and economic recovery. Caribbean National Weekly reports that New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio and New York City Parks Commissioner Gabrielle Filokoff have previewed the planned programming element and amenities for the brand new $141 million recreational center in the East Flashboot section of Brooklyn, New York, in honor of the late Caribbean-American Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm. The officials were joined by New York City's Department of Design and Construction Acting Commissioner Thomas Foley, New York State Assembly Member Rodnisi Hermelin, City Council member Farah Lewis and community members. Shirley Chisholm understood that power comes from the people, said Mayor de Blasio. Today, we're honoring this trailblazing congresswoman with a new community center that will serve the residents of East Flashbutt for generations to come. Shirley Anita Chisholm, niece St. Hill, the daughter of Guyanese father, and Bahamian mother was born on November 30, 1924, and died on January 1, 2005. In 1968, Chisholm became the first black woman elected to the United States Congress, representing New York's then 12th congressional district, encompassing Bread encompassing Bedford-Starvison's section of Brooklyn. Chisholm represented that district for seven terms from 1969 to 1983. In the 1972 U.S. presidential election, she became the first black candidate to run for a major party's nomination for the president of the United States and the first woman to run for the Democratic Party's presidential nomination. As we look to the future of New York City, we must honor our roots by celebrating the trailblazers who have made today's progress possible, said Deputy Mayor for Housing and Economic Development, Vicki Ben. Shirley Chisholm was a Brooklyn-born titan who, despite constant discrimination, led a movement that changed the face of our nation, she added. It is an honor to celebrate her legacy by uplifting the residents of central Brooklyn and specifically East Flatbush community. Fjellkov said Chisholm's history-making achievements blew open the doors of opportunity for millions of women and people of color across the country. Now we honor her legacy with a project that will strengthen the central Brooklyn community she served for so many decades, the forthcoming Shirley Chisholm Recreation Center, she said. We are proud to make good on a promise to East Flatbush and bring a much-needed and well-deserved community hub to the heart of this neighborhood. Brooklyn Borough President and New York City Mayor-elect Eric Adams said, it's time for East Flatbush to get the incredible community center it has long deserved. De Blasio said Chisholm's contribution to her community and country are reflective of her desire to affect change. The mayor said the contract award is expected in spring of 2022, with the project completion date by the end of 2025. A two-year reduction in the standard city project timeline 
thanks to Design Bill. In 1983, Chisholm retired from the U.S. Congress and taught at Mount Holyoke College, a private liberal arts women's college in South Hadley, Massachusetts, while continuing her political organizing. Although nominated for an ambassadorship in 1993, health issues forced Chisholm to withdraw. In 2015, she was posthumously awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Chisholm's father, Charles Christopher St. Hill, was born in Guyana before moving to Barbados. He migrated to New York City via Antilla, Cuba in 1923. Her mother, Ruby Seal, was born in Christchurch, Barbados, and migrated to New York City in 1921. The St. Thomas Source reports that the U.S. National Park Service on Monday announced the launch of a new formal process to plan for the redevelopment of Keneal Bay at Virgin Islands National Park on St. John. This is an important first step in envisioning a Keneal Bay that is fully integrated with the park and is a source of pride for St. John, said Nigel Fields, superintendent of the Virgin Islands National Park in a news release. Steeped in cultural history and natural resources, Keneal Bay offers National Park Service an opportunity to better showcase the full splendor of St. John. And National Park Service planning team is focusing its early priorities on framing the stewardship, community, and operational objectives for redevelopment. National Park Service will then work to define the project scope more completely, conduct a comprehensive environmental assessment, and outline the site's commercial, recreational, and preservation areas according to the release. Planning in this initial phase will lead to a potential range of concepts to be made available for public comment this winter, the release stated. The National Park Service announced in July that the lease for the Keneal Bay Resort would be put out for bid. The iconic resort on St. John's world-renowned North Shore has remained closed since it sustained serious damages from Hurricanes Irma and Maria in 2017. CBI Acquisitions LLC can controls the lease for Keneal Bay Resorts through September 2023 under a retained use estate, a unique arrangement crafted by Lawrence S. Rockefeller in 1983. Setting aside the 150-acre resort for independent operation and management, according to the National Park Service announcement in July, that agreement will remain in place until ex- expiration on September 30th, 2023, when the National Park Service will assume full responsibility. During the public hearings held earlier this year on the future of Keneal Bay, most participants said they were eager to protect the natural and cultural resources, including ancient Taino sites that have not yet been researched. Several people suggest that a museum should be built on the property. Participants also suggested other uses, including projects and partnerships to promote educational opportunities for Virgin Islands youth, specifically in agriculture and the hospitality industry, recreating the resort as a model ecotourism design also was proposed. 
The Camille Bay planned kickoff announcement on Monday also coincides with the continuation of environmental testing at Camille Bay to address data gaps cited in the engineering evaluation and cost analysis report released in September. Current information about the National Park Service redevelopment of Camille Bay and related environmental investigations and actions is available on the U.S. National Park Service website. Antigua Newsroom reports that Sir James Mitchell, the second Prime Minister of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, died on Tuesday, his family confirmed he was 90 years old. His death brought to an end an era in the history of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, since he had been a last surviving parliamentarian at the time when the island gained political independence from Britain on October 27, 1979. We are saddened to hear of the news of the founder of the New Democratic Party, Sir James Mitchell, has passed away. He was one of the founding fathers of our nation and served as the second prime minister of St. Vincent and the Grenadines from 1984 to 2000, as well as premier to St. Vincent and the Grenadines from 1972 to 1974, said the NDC in a statement following the announcement of his death. During his time serving our nation, he achieved huge amounts in steering St. Vincent and the Grenadines in the right direction by providing economic stability and improving housing across our islands. The International Monetary Fund once said his economic leadership, there is much to please and little to fault. Sir James, an agronomist, was born in Bequia on May 15, 1931. He was Premier of St. Vincent's from 1972 to 1974 and then Prime Minister from 1984 to October 2001. He remained New Democratic Party President until 2000 when he retired from electoral politics. And finally, the NASA Guardian reports that Virgin Atlantic made its first flight to the Bahamas on Saturday, with the leg being described as a test as the airline is scheduled to get its official welcome. Virgin is expected to make two round-trip flights to the Bahamas per week. The Bahamas has been picking up numerous new routes from airlines like United Airlines, Virgin Airlines and Frontier Airlines. British Airways has expanded its service to six days per week. Director General of the Ministry of Tourism, Investment and Aviation, Joy Jabrilu, said recently that the Bahamas has been trying to attract Virgin for some time and finally got the airline to the table and showed them the numbers. Virgin Atlantic's Chief Commercial Officer Officer Jahu Jarhivin said in August that the company was seeing an increase in demand for luxury holidays in the sun and added the Bahamas to its expanding Caribbean portfolio. Jibrilu explained that flights from London's Heathrow Airport have been paying dividends for the Bahamas, adding that the expectation is those flights will open up the country to the rest of Europe. She also revealed recently that travel data 
company Forward Keys, which tracks forward-looking bookings for the ministry, logged a 250% increase in travel to the Bahamas from the United Kingdom this year. The Bahamas' stopover business is expected to be ahead of 2019 by 15% for the remainder of the year and for the first quarter of 2022. The country is down from 2019 numbers of 11% so far, according to forward booking numbers. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, November 24th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.